Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Joe Mecca with me. Joe and his brother, Paul, are the founders of QuickBoost. QuickBoost is a Dallas, Texas-based company that makes mobile device charging stations. QuickBoost charging stations have charged more than 2.5 million devices at universities, car dealerships, hospitals, bars, and more. Welcome. Hi, how are you doing? Thank you for being here, Joe. Uh, can you uh, give us kind of a, I don't know if my number was exact or close to exact, uh, how many devices have you been charged with QuickBoost products? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's actually significantly more than that. We estimate just based on units sold, average traffic of a location, and then including you know customer feedback uh, to give us an idea of, of what the actual traffic could be at a you know a particular location that we've charged you know well over 10 million devices probably closer to 20 million. So 10 to 20 million uh, charges. That's that's an incredible number. Um, can you talk a little bit about your background? What were you doing prior to uh, starting QuickBoost? Sure. Well, it was actually our background that got us into this business. We we have a family business that uh, has been around for coming up on 25 years now. Um, and out of college, we worked for them. We did uh, what what that company does is they design and fabricate uh, marketing displays, things like trade show booths, um, you know, one-off marketing displays that you might see in a field marketing. We do a lot of interior custom fabrication for libraries and museums and, you know, very intricate custom stuff. Uh, and so that's what our background was in. And we worked with a lot of advertising agencies. And one of the agencies we were working with, one of their customers was a big energy company based here in Texas called TXU Energy. And they had a sponsorship over at the American Airlines Center, which is where like the Mavericks and the Stars play. And they wanted to do something with mobile. And this was back in 09 when smartphones were, they were on the market, but they were still relatively new. I think we were still on the first gen iPhone at the time that the 3G hadn't come out yet. And Blackberries were still the the big thing, and and they wanted to do something with mobile. They were thinking like a Bluetooth type of application, and my brother and I threw out the idea of a charging station. We had seen them uh, a few places here and there, airports mostly, um, and and there weren't very many companies doing charging stations at the time, but they loved it. Uh, We built them two custom uh, charging stations, which had you know digital signage application as well as the ability to charge your phone. Uh, they're actually still there today. And uh, So so how did you uh, get the idea to start a business? Because, I mean, some companies would have just said, you know, we saw these two, three companies that build these and go and, you know, let's get some. Instead of, okay, well, there's a business here. Let's build a business. So how, what was that process like? Well, I mean, so after we installed those kiosks at the American Airlines Center, you know, we were big Mavericks fans. Uh, It was when they were really good, uh, right before they won the championship in 2011. And we would go to games after work all the time. We'd go to concerts from time to time at the American Airlines Center. And we were seeing the usage that these kiosks were getting when, at the time, really only about 10 or 15% of the U.S. population had a smartphone. 
you know, at, at halftime and, and things like that, before and after the game, there were lines to use these things. And we People thought, didn't go to the bathroom? <laughs> yeah. And we thought to ourselves, you know, okay, if, if there's this many people that are wanting to use these things right now, imagine when everybody has a smartphone, which we anticipated, why wouldn't everybody ultimately have a smartphone, which now we know, you know, 80% of the U.S. population has a smartphone. So we looked at that and we thought, there's a business here. And initially we started with digital signage charging kiosks and we'd go into a location and place it there free or for very low cost and sell the advertising and it offered a you know the charging service to the patrons of the business you know it did okay we sold advertising we had a, a relatively decent sized network here in the DFW area um, but ultimately we didn't like selling advertising uh, we were more product designers and uh, we were getting a lot of calls from smaller businesses who wanted to just buy it outright, and the kiosk wasn't very affordable. So we came up with a much more affordable, streamlined product that, that we could sell to just about anybody. Okay. So let's talk about um, you know research uh, before actually starting QuickBoost. I have read that you have done about one year of research before starting. What was included in that process? Um, everything from surveying existing customers that we had worked with to doing several iterations of prototypes, um, determining, you know, what, what the number, the best number of cables per kiosk was, you know, how many people would actually use one kiosk at any given time. Uh, you know, did we need to factor in enough power to tablet to charge a bunch of tablets at the time, or, or so, so? Did you guys like hang around at these kiosks, or did you do videos and just analyze the videos how people interacted with them? We did both. Yeah, I mean, we we had we you know we would always get feedback from the locations that we did work with, or we had products. Uh, we did a lot of secret shopping where we would go, you know, have lunch or or have a drink at one of these locations that had a, a kiosk and and just kind of watch it for a couple hours in some cases uh, and, and see what the usage was. Um, and, and then we made assessments based on that. Uh, now, did you uh, take investment for QuickBoost or was it a bootstrap, uh, uh, is it a bootstrap business? It's a bootstrap business. I mean, we, we took on, you know, some some very minimal family and friends in the very beginning just to kind of do some initial prototyping of our product um, and and to secure some intellectual property through some patents that we have been granted over the years. Um, but aside from that, we've bootstrapped the whole thing, grown it organically, and, uh, and, and are still doing that today. And are you manufacturing uh, here in the U.S.? We do. We manufacture everything in the U.S. As a matter of fact, I mean... We have a couple competitors that uh, manufacture outside the U.S. And, and in some cases that we get that question, you know, do you manufacture in the U.S.? That's important. And, you know, my answer is always we do. Uh, and as a matter of fact, we manufacture just about everything here in DFW. I, I tell customers sometimes if you're ever in the Dallas area and you're interested, I can take you around to every one of the locations that we produce our components at. Uh, within a couple hours, uh, and then we do all final assembly at our production facility, uh, at, which is at our headquarters. Do you get any pressures from the market in terms of having to move your manufacturing, uh, you know, offshore, or 
you know, that's really not an issue. You know, it hasn't been a huge issue so far. I mean, there are certain components that, that definitely uh, would be cheaper to make offshore, uh, but we're doing enough volume that we're at a that we're at a cost per product here, uh, making it in the United States that we're comfortable with, that we have good margins on, and so we haven't really had the need to to go overseas. So, what is what is your business model? Um, well, I mean, we have started and stuck with a a plan of of focusing, you know, an inch an inch wide and a mile deep. So we focus on, you know, primarily the education and healthcare markets. Uh, we've gotten into government some, uh, as well as corporate, you know, business offices. But education and healthcare is really where we've we've chosen to and focus. Wh- why is that? What were some of the signs that told you that this is the area you need to focus on? Well, um, I mean, you know, a lot of competitors come into the market and we see them, they want to go after bars and restaurants right away, um, which we did. Uh, I mean, that was that was a market that we looked at very, uh, you know, early on. And, you know, it, they were buying one or two. It was a long sales cycle. It wasn't something they really needed. And, and they were, they wanted to haggle on price. They didn't have a whole lot of money. The, the market, bars and restaurants, looks really attractive when you do research, there's a million of them across the United States, but about half of those aren't even a $500,000 business. So not a ton of opportunity there. But when you look at education and healthcare, you know, these are, are huge organizations, some government funded, some, uh, you know, charity that are set up as a charity or nonprofit. Um, they have cyclical budgets. They have to spend them. Uh, and they're the two largest markets in the country. They're not going anywhere. So we, we felt like that was a good bet. Uh, and we started with education, and we got uh, good feedback and, and started getting orders very quickly. So how is it different to selling uh, to, to you know these large institutions, medical and, and education? Um, do you require a fairly large sales team, or is it a really convoluted uh, sales process? Um, you know, we've gotten better at it over the years, obviously. It is, you know, education is what we started with, and, and we've built out a, an inside sales team of about 10 guys and girls that uh, focus on territories around the United States. And over the years, we've also started to build up a, a pretty large reseller network. So, you know, in, in healthcare, for instance, it's, it makes a, all the difference in the world to be able to go and show them the product and get face-to-face and really build that you know, one-on-one relationship. And so for healthcare, we don't have as many inside reps. We, we use uh, our reseller network to, to get in front of the hospitals, whereas with education, it is a, it's a much easier sell over the phone and through email uh, to build that relationship and, and make you know, and close an opportunity. So we've been able to have a lot of success with just our inside sales team in the higher education space. So in education, is it mostly universities or high schools as well, or, or what are you focusing on? We focus on, on we've always focused on higher education first. Uh, we do do a lot of marketing and, and outreach to K-12 now, because uh, there, there's become more of a demand there as, as they have started implementing mobile devices into the learning experience. But higher education is definitely where we've seen the fastest and most growth, and and we work with uh, um, departments across campuses, you know, every day, uh, you know, from the student union to the library to the the rec center to the dorms. So let's talk about the 
you know, you started a business, it sounds like around uh, 2009 uh, or so. Uh, we, so, go ahead. We, we actually started uh, yesterday. It was our four-year anniversary, uh, yeah, September so four 2010. Years, uh, almost four years. And um, I'm not sure if you can talk about the challenges of, of now uh, versus four years ago. Uh, are there more challenges? Are there different kind of challenges? And what are those challenges that you're facing, faced with today? I would say there's more and different challenges. I mean, early on, you know, we had limited resources. And so we, we had to be very careful with what we were doing and where we were spending money. And, and very, we had to scrutinize the pe- people we were hiring very uh, closely to make sure that we were getting the, the best people we could afford at the time. Um, and there was less competition, whereas today there's a lot more competition, you know, with the with online and, and search the way it is, you know, competitors can come into our space and, and make some pretty bold claims right out of the gate that they may or may not be able to back up, but either way, we have to sell ourselves against those claims. Um, but I think the hardest thing is, is, is uh, you know, human capital. Uh, you know, we're you, you will always want to bring in the smartest and the best talent that you can, and that's not always easy to find or readily available. So let's talk about competition a little bit. What kind of differentiation um, are you able to, to, to get in, in business uh, with all the competition or the increase in competition there is today? Well, I mean, we, we focus, there are obviously technical uh, differences that we talk about when we're selling to a customer, you know, just the differences in our product uh, versus a competitor's product. But I think in general, you know, we, we really kind of changed the charging market when we came out with our product. When, when we first entered the space, all of our competition was selling, you know, these kiosks that had screens, maybe it was a light box or maybe it was digital signage, but either way, there was these big, bulky, power-hungry kiosks, and that's what a lot of them still sell today. Uh, when we came out with our M8 charging station, it was one of a kind. Uh, we filed patents on it. We've had to defend, use those patents to defend the product in, in, in some cases. And, um, and I think that that was our big advantage and is still one of our big advantages is we're probably one of the only charging station companies that has really innovated. You, could, you can buy these kiosks, and that's what a lot of our competitors did. You can buy them out of China. Um, you know, they've had cell phone charging kiosks in, in Asia for, you know, 20 years. So early on, our big differentiator was we had something that nobody else had. Today, we've, we've had some competitors come out with similar products. Some of them infringed, and we had, we've had to deal with them legally, and some of them uh, are, are different enough that, that we just compete with them. Um, but I think that overall... We know our markets very well. Uh, we know what they want to buy. We know what they want to hear. We know their sales cycles and their budget cycles, and, and those are all advantages that we use to, to, to overcome our competition every day. What are the most effective marketing channels for QuickBoost uh, today? Well, it depends on the market. Um, I mean, we started off going to a lot of trade shows. Uh, we invested in traveling around the country and, and going to education trade shows and healthcare trade shows and even car dealership trade shows that allowed us to get in front of potential customers, get their hands on the product, show them how it worked, 
and and build our brand that way. Over the last you know 18 months, we've relied on our resellers to do more of the trade show type work, where we uh, we've focused more on inbound marketing, um, word of mouth. You know, when we sell to a student union at uh, Texas Tech University, you know, we want to we want to utilize that that relationship that we've created to get them to talk about us with some of the other departments like the library or the the student or the recreational center that might act, need some charging stations as well. So, it, you know, it kind of varies. Um, obviously, we do the standard marketing where we, you know, we do email marketing, uh, PPC, you know, all that sort of standard stuff as well. So, how do you identify, you, you mentioned, you know, earlier that, uh, you know, education and healthcare has been, uh, has been, um, a big, big market for you, but how do you identify new markets to enter and what is your criteria? Um, well, we want to look at, you know, big markets that that have cyclical budgets and that aren't going anywhere. You know, the event space is, a, is another big market. It's huge, you know, and we have a lot more competition in the event space, but it's one that's so big, there's plenty of pie to go around. Um, you know, airports is another is another market that that functions in the same way. A lot of them are government funded, and there's thousands of airports around the country. So we want to look at markets that have you know a ton of locations where this product is more of a need or a necessity versus an amenity, um, and and then people who we know we can talk to them and have an intelligent conversation who understand you know that they're making an investment in you know, a service piece of equipment versus just buying the cheapest thing they can find. Uh, can you talk about your international or global strategy? Uh, are, you, are you pushing to, uh, to get into uh, foreign markets? We do. We've had relationships with resellers in uh, Australia, uh, Colombia, um, the U.K., and Canada almost since day one. Uh, and we've expanded since then into Central America. Uh, we work, we do work in uh, South America, Brazil, Argentina, um, and and elsewhere. But those are those are our really our core markets: are North, Central, and South America. Um, like I said, we've got a reseller in the UK and Australia, um, and and we talk to potential resellers in in Europe all the time. Uh, it's just a matter of finding the right fit and and working with with groups that can actually move product. Are you working on any additional partnerships to scale your business at at times? Strategic partnerships with other companies and brands? Always, yeah. I mean, we do projects with um, you know the major telecom carriers. We've we've worked with a lot of uh, phone companies, you know, the Samsung type companies of the world. To you know, when they want to promote their their new product, they'll use charging stations as a way to draw people into a to a an activation or a trade show or whatever it might be, um, so that they can show them their new stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a constant effort to work with brands and and just big companies. You know, one of our resellers is is uh is Staples, you know, and their business interiors division. That that's a group that you know, a lot of people know Staples for their big box stores, but they also have a, a big online store and they also have field reps all around the United States that walk into facilities every single day. And and that's somebody that we work with. 
Uh, quick boost uh, revenue hit uh, about one million in 2013. What are your expectations for this year? Uh, well, we actually did closer to two million in in 2013, and and this year we're on pace to to uh, increase that significantly. I mean, we've we've seen a solid amount of growth. Um, our inside sales has has grown tremendously, and our reseller channel has flourished this year. The the demand for our product it has only continued to grow, and therefore it's attracted the attention of a lot of different resellers uh, around the country. What about improved battery life? Do you see that as, at all as something that uh, is that is that something that you worry about at all, or or no? I would say no. Uh, I mean, e even you know, I, I have to charge my phone two or three times a day, uh, and and I know that there are people, college students in particular, that use it way more than I, that use their devices way more than I do. So even if you even with improved battery life, if you only had to charge it once or twice a day, there's still a demand, and you never know where you're going to need to charge your phone. And on top of that, the more charging stations that are readily available out in the public. People are going to use it even if they're not dead. They'll use a charging station just to get them, you know, an extra 10 or 20 percent because it's going to last them an extra hour or two. So, yeah, I mean, until a major game-changing technology comes out like ambient charging where it doesn't require some sort of, you know, way to be plugged in, um, you know, then I think our product as is, is very viable. And of course, when those game-changing technologies come out, we're going to be right there ready to offer it to our existing customers. Yeah, it's it's very human. I do it myself. Uh, I like to see my phone at 100% charge. <laughs> I, I can't explain it. You probably need a psychologist to explain that. But, <laughs> you know, even, even if I'm sitting at my desk, I plug in my phone. So I, I totally get where you're coming from there. <laughs> sure. Okay, uh, let's talk about uh, a big mistake that you could share with our audience that would be a good learning experience for entrepreneurs out there. Uh, can you share maybe the biggest mistake that you made that you uh, learned a lot from? Oh man, we we learn lessons every day. You know, I I, I don't know that we've okay. we've made any really really big mistakes. I, I mean, I say that we yeah. we we make mistakes every day. You know, we grow as entrepreneurs every single day. Um, you know, it's, this is one of our first ventures, um, so it, it's a learning experience every day. But I would say the biggest thing is, you know, make sure that you understand your markets, that you don't go out with a shotgun approach and, and you know, and just see what sticks, that you really, you know, know who you want to sell to and that you develop a price point that will, you know, not hurt you later on down the line. You know, when we first came into the market with our with this with our M8 charging station in 2012, we sold it for like 2.99. And we sold a ton of units at that price and when our company was really small, that worked. But as we grew, we needed to increase our price um, both because we could because the demand was there, but also because we wanted to grow our company and we needed, you know, additional, we had additional overhead demands that required, a, you know, a higher margin. Uh, and it, it, there were, there were some difficulties with existing customers explaining the price increase, but, you know, we overcame that. Uh, we improved our product and added additional products to our product line. And, and I think we, we weathered that uh, fairly well. Um, but I would say, you know, just, Always, 
I like to tell our, our staff here at our headquarters office, you know, always be strategically future-minded so that no matter what you're doing, whether it's a sale or an inventory order or a pricing scheme for a promotion or for a new product, that you're thinking about what that's going to mean in the next 6 to 12 to 18 to 24 months for you. If, um, if, if you could train someone to be a successful entrepreneur, if you had a friend or somebody in the family that had a job now, but they say, you know, I, I see your success with Quick Boost, I want, I want to succeed, what would be the first thing that you think would be the most important thing they would need to know before they would start a business? Well, I mean, you, you have to get into a viable market and you, you have to come out with a product that, that is going to have demand. And that's not always, that's always, sometimes that's easier said than done. Um, you might think you have a great product, but you're going after the wrong market, or you might think you have a great market, but you don't have the right product and price. Uh, I would say internally, uh, you want to have the right people around you so that you don't, so that you get off to a good start. You know, and that means you've got to have driven people who know how to sell. Uh, you know, because no matter what you have, whether it's a product or a service, you've got to be able to sell it. You know, it might be the greatest thing, and, and there might be a ton of demand for it, but if you can't sell it, then you're never going to be successful. Um, beyond that, you have to have a good financial understanding of the business and good financial people working within the business so that you can actually grow it. I think a lot of startups fail because they come out with something really great, they get, they get some good PR, they sell a few products, enough to you know, get them off to a decent start, but there's nobody there kind of telling them how to budget and how to you know, hire and how to scale their business financially. Finally, uh, can you talk about your goals for Quick Boost? Uh, you know, I'm not even asking like five, ten years. That's way too far. But let's say in the next uh, 24 months, where where do you see uh, the future for for uh, Quick Boost, and what are you doing to get there as a company? Well, I mean, uh, you know, resellers is a big emphasis for right, for us right now. We we've gotten our product to a point where you know we can make it in volume very affordably and we can sell it through to a reseller where we can all make good money and you know ultimately you know in our category you know we kind of fit into the I guess the business equipment the furniture and technology type of category for for our particular markets so we're working with a lot of IT folks we're working with um, you know facilities folks and so you know, we're, we focus on products that make sense for, for those environments. And, uh, you know, so we'll continue to sell our charging station. We've got a couple new versions of it that, that will come out over the next 12 months. Uh, we've got some new charging and power-oriented products that we'll come out with or improvements on our existing ones. And then ultimately, we'll, we'll, you'll see us start to get into more, um, you know, data, building efficiency, uh, proximity-based products that that not only make sense independently, but that work very well with our existing product lineup. Well, uh, thank you so much, uh, Joe, for uh, coming on Success Harbor today. How can people find out more about QuickBoost products or, or find out more about you? Well, our website is a great place to start, quickboost.com. Um, aside from that, you know, we love to hear from people, you know, if whether they're emailing in or calling in, you know, we really like to talk to people. That's that's really what we've built our business on is is being uh, helpful and consultative versus, you know, just trying to shove a product down somebody's throat or have them order it from our website. You know, we really want to talk to them, understand their needs and, and build a relationship and 
and be there for them as their power needs and charging needs continue to grow. So everybody out there, check out quickboost.com. That's K-W-I-K-B-O-O-S-T.com. Joe, again, thank you, and hopefully you can come back maybe uh, a year from now and tell us how, how the business is growing. Yeah, I'd love to. I, I appreciate the, the interest in our business, George, and, and yeah, yeah, let me know. I, I'd be happy to come back on and, and do a follow-up. Thank you, Joe, and uh, wish you much luck with QuickBoost, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Bye.